Chapter Three, Part One of A Common Story by Ivan Goncharov, translated by Constance Garnett, eighteen sixty one to nineteen forty six. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Chapter Three, Part One. More than two years had passed by who would have recognized our provincial in the fashionably dressed and easy-mannered young man he had changed very much and grown manly the roundness of the lines of his boyish face the softness and delicacy of his skin the down on his chin had all disappeared the bashful shyness and graceful awkwardness of his movement had gone his features had become mature and grown into a physiognomy and the physiognomy showed character the lilies and roses had disappeared as though under a light covering of sunburn the down on his face had turned into slight whiskers his light hesitating step had become a firm even gait his voice had gained some bass notes from the roughly outlined sketch had come a finished portrait the boy had turned into a man in his eyes was the light of self-reliance and confidence the ecstatic expression of alexander's face in former days was toned down by a slight shade of melancholy the first sign of doubt having stolen into his heart and perhaps the only consequence of his uncle's lessons and the merciless analysis to which he exposed everything which presented itself to alexander's eyes or heart alexander had at last acquired tact which is the power of adapting oneself to men he did not throw himself into everybody's arms especially after the man inclined to sincere outbursts in spite of his uncle's warnings had cleared him out at cards on two occasions and the man of firm character and iron will had borrowed a considerable sum of money from him other people too and other incidents worked in the same direction at one place he noticed how they laughed in their sleeves at his youthful enthusiasm and nicknamed him the romantic at another they hardly paid him any attention because no one could hope to gain or lose anything from him he did not give dinners did not keep a carriage and did not play high at first alexander's heart was sick and sore at these discrepancies between his rose-coloured dreams and the reality it never entered his head to ask himself but what have i done that is distinctive and what am i distinguished from the common herd where are my merits and why ought they to notice me but meanwhile his vanity suffered then he began by degrees to admit the thought that in life clearly all was not roses but that there were also thorns which sometimes prick a little but not seriously and not as his uncle made out and then he began to learn to control himself he did not so often betray his emotions and impulses and more rarely spoke in a high-flown language at least before strangers but all the same to the no small regret of Pyotr ivanitch he was still far from coldly analyzing into their first elements all that moves and agitates the heart of man as for dragging to light all the mysteries and enigmas of the heart he did not like even to listen to it Pyotr ivanitch would give him something of a lesson in the morning alexander would listen be perplexed or deeply thoughtful and then he would go out somewhere in the evening and come home a different man the charm and intoxication of the ballroom the strains of music the bare shoulders the ardent glances the smiles of rosy lips would not let him sleep all night visions floated before him of the waist which he had pressed in his arms 
of the prolonged languorous gaze which had been cast on him at parting of the feverish breath which had ravished him in the waltz or the conversation at the window whispered under cover of the murmur of the mazurka when the eyes spoke so sincerely while the tongue was talking of no matter what and his heart beat he clutched at his pillow convulsively and lay tossing for hours in his bed where is love oh love i thirst for thee he said and will love come soon when will these divine moments come to me the delicious torture the shudder of bliss tears and so forth the next day he would make his appearance at his uncle's what a party it was uncle last night at the zareskys he said absorbed in memories of the ball was it a pleasant one oh heavenly a pretty good supper i did not have any how was that no supper at your age when you can get it but i see you have adopted our ways in good earnest even more than you need to was everything successful then the dress the lighting yes nice people oh yes very nice such eyes such shoulders were there many pretty girls oh yes indeed but it's a pity they are all so much alike what one does or says in any special circumstances you notice the next repeats exactly the same just as though it were a lesson learnt by heart there was one not altogether like the rest but otherwise there was no sign of independence nor character their movements their looks all exactly alike you hear no original thought or flash of feeling it is all disguised and covered up under the same external polish it seems as though nothing would make them open out is it possible that they will always be locked up and will never come out to any one can it be that they wear stays that will always stifle the sigh of love and the groan of the tortured heart can no liberty be given to emotion everything will come out to their husbands though if they think like you at least from what you say a good many will remain old maids to the end of time there are some idiotic enough to let what ought to be hidden and stifled come out before it is time mm. they pay for it afterwards in tears it's a bad bargain is it a question of bargains in this too uncle yes as in everything my dear boy and one who does not reckon the cost of a bargain we call a reckless fool it is short and clear oh but to lock up in your breast the generous impulses of the heart oh i know you will not lock them up you are ready in the street in the theatre anywhere to throw yourself on your friend's neck and sob and why a reckless fool uncle you should have said only that he is a man of strong passions that a man who feels so is capable of everything generous and noble and incapable incapable of reckoning that is reflection said his uncle he is a grand figure your man of strong passions of titanic emotions how much of it pray is merely physical temperament transports exultations indeed the man is below the dignity of a man in all that and has nothing to pride himself upon we must ask whether he knows how to control his feelings if he knows how to do that then he is a man according to you feeling has to be controlled like steam observed alexander now a little let off then suddenly stopped opening a valve and shutting it yes nature has given man such a valve and not for nothing it is reason and you don't always make use of it it's a pity but you're a good sort of fellow no uncle it's sad to hear you better let me go and make acquaintance with that lady who has lately arrived in town with whom madame lubetsky was she there yesterday yes she talked to me a long while about you 
asked after some business matter of hers oh to be sure by the way the uncle took a paper out of a box take her that paper tell her that only yesterday and by the merest chance they let me have it from the office explain the matter clearly to her of course you heard what i said to the official yes i know i know i will explain it alexander clutched the paper with both hands and stuffed it into his pocket piotr ivanitch looked at him but what made you think of making her acquaintance she is not very charming i should suppose with a wart on her nose a wart i don't remember how did you notice that uncle on her nose and he did not notice it what do you want from her she is so kind and so distinguished could you not notice the wart on her nose and yet have found out that she is kind and distinguished it's very queer but stop she has a daughter to be sure that little brunette ah now i don't wonder at it so that is why you did not notice the wart on her nose both smiled but i do wonder uncle said alexander how you noticed the wart before the daughter give me back the paper when you are there i suppose you will let off all your feeling and altogether forget to shut the valve you will make some mistake and there's no telling what you will explain no uncle i won't make a mistake as for papers as you like i won't give it then but we'll go at once and he vanished from the room up to this time business had gone steadily on its usual course at the office they noticed alexander's abilities and had given him a pretty good position and on the journal too alexander had become a person of consideration he undertook the selection as well as the translation and correction of foreign articles and wrote himself various theoretical articles on agriculture his income was in his own opinion larger than he needed though still insufficient for his uncle's ideas but he was not always working for money he had not renounced his consoling belief in another higher vocation his youthful strength was equal to everything he stole time from sleep and office work and wrote both verses and stories and historical sketches and biographies his uncle did not now cover his screens with his compositions but read them in silence then gave a low whistle or said yes this is better than you used to do a few articles appeared under a nom de plume with a tremor of pleasure alexander listened to the favourable criticisms of friends of whom he had a number at his office and at the coffee-house or at private houses his most cherished dream after love was thus fulfilled the future promised him much that was brilliant many triumphs a destiny not altogether ordinary seemed to be awaiting him when suddenly a few months had passed by alexander was scarcely to be seen he seemed to be lost he went less often to his uncle's the latter attributed it to his being busy and did not disturb him but the editor of the journal meeting piotr ivanitch one day complained that alexander kept back articles the uncle promised to take the next opportunity of getting an explanation from his nephew an opportunity presented itself three days after alexander ran in the morning into his uncle's apartment in a state of exultation there was a restless happiness apparent in every gesture and movement good morning uncle oh how glad i am to see you he said and was going to embrace him but his uncle had time to escape behind the table good morning alexander why have we seen nothing of you for so long i have been busy uncle i have been making an abstract from the german economists ah why did the editor tell me such fibs then he said to me three days ago that you were doing nothing for him 
there's journalistic morality next time i meet him i will let him know no you must not say anything to him interposed alexander i have not sent him my work and that is why he told you what is the matter with you you have such a holiday face have they given you an assistant pray or the cross of honour alexander shook his head well is it money then no then why do you look like a victorious general if there's nothing don't disturb me but sit down instead and write to moscow to the merchant dubasov about dispatching as quickly as possible the remainder of the money due read his letter through where is it here both were silent and began to write i have finished cried alexander in a few minutes that's smart you're a fine fellow show it me what is this you are writing to me pyotr ivanitch his name is timothy nikovitch how five hundred twenty roubles five thousand two hundred what is the matter with you alexander pyotr ivanitch laid down his pen and looked at his nephew he reddened do you notice nothing in my face he asked yes some silliness stop you are in love said pyotr ivanitch alexander was silent it's so then i have guessed right alexander with a triumphant smile and a beaming expression nodded energetically so that's it how was it i didn't guess it at once so that's why you have grown lazy and that's why we've seen nothing of you everywhere the zareskis and the scotchins have been worrying me with where is alexander fedoritch though he's been far away in the seventh heaven pyotr ivanitch began to write again with nadinka lubetsky said alexander i didn't inquire replied his uncle whoever it may be they are all as silly as one another it's all the same all the same nadinka that angel is it possible you haven't noticed her can you say that she is like the other worldly affected dolls you look at her face what a tender deep soul lies behind it she is not only a girl of feeling but of thought a deep nature his uncle set to work scribbling on a paper with his pen but alexander went on in her talk you don't hear the hackneyed commonplace platitudes how deeply she understands life you poison life by your views but nadinka reconciles me to it alexander was silent for a minute and relapsed completely into reveries of nadinka then he began again when she raises her eyes you see at once what a passionate and tender heart they interpret and her voice her voice what melody what softness in it but when that voice sounds with an avowal no higher bliss on earth uncle what a glorious thing life is how happy i am tears were starting into his eyes he flung himself on his uncle and embraced him with all his might alexander screamed pyotr ivanitch jumping up shut up your valve directly you have let off all your steam you silly fellow look what you have done in one second just two idiocies you have rumpled my hair and spilt the ink i thought you had quite got out of those ways you haven't been like this for a long while do for god's sake look at yourself in the glass could there be a more silly countenance and not an idiot ha ha i am happy uncle well that's evident well what am i to do now with the letter let me i will scrape it and it will not be noticed said alexander he flung himself against the table with a convulsive shock began to scrape to clean to rub and rubbed a hole into the letter the table tottered under the rubbing and shook the what-not on the what-not stood an alabaster bust of sophocles or aeschylus 
the vibration made the respectable tragedian first totter backwards and forwards once or twice on his shaking pedestal then he was shaken off the what-not and was smashed to shivers your third idiocy alexander said pyotr ivanitch picking up the pieces it cost fifty roubles i will pay for it uncle oh i will pay for it but don't blame my emotion it's pure and generous i am happy so happy good god how sweet life is the uncle shook his head when will you have more sense alexander pay for it indeed he said that would be the fourth silliness you want i can see to talk about your happiness well there seems no help for it so be it i will give you a quarter of an hour sit quietly don't commit any fifth piece of stupidity and talk away and then after that fresh stupidity you must go away i have no time to spare well you are happy how is that tell me about it quickly i admit it is silly uncle but such things cannot be told in this way replied alexander with a modest smile i have paved the way for you but i see you want to begin with the ordinary prelude that means that the conversation will last a whole hour i haven't time for it the post will not wait you must stop or better let me tell it myself you that's amusing hm listen it is extremely amusing you saw your charmer yesterday by herself but how do you know asked alexander going up to his uncle sit down sit down for god's sake and don't come near the table you will be smashing something it's all written in your face i will read it off well you had an explanation said his uncle alexander blushed and was silent it was clear that his uncle was right again you were both very foolish as lovers always are said pyotr ivanitch the nephew made a gesture of impatience it all began from trifles when you were left alone from a fancy-work pattern perhaps the uncle went on you asked whom she was working it for she answered for mamma or for auntie or something of that sort and you shivered as if you were in a fever there you have not guessed right that was no fancy-work we were in the garden alexander blurted out and relapsed into silence well then from flowers i suppose said pyotr ivanitch perhaps from a yellow flower it makes no difference what is before your eyes provided only it serves to start the conversation words don't come too readily to the tongue in such circumstances you asked whether she liked flowers she answered yes why you ask oh because she said and then you were both silent because you wanted to say something altogether different and the conversation did not progress then you looked at one another smiled and blushed oh uncle how you talk said alexander in evident confusion then continued his inexorable uncle you began in a roundabout way to talk about a new world having opened itself to you she looked suddenly at you as though she were hearing something new and unexpected you i expect were at your wit's end and in confusion then you said scarcely audibly again that only now you understood the value of life that before you saw her what her uh, maria or, or what nadinka you had already seen her in a dream you said that you had foreseen your meeting that some affinity had brought you together and that now you dedicate to her alone all your verses and prose and i expect your hands weren't still a moment no doubt you were upsetting or breaking something uncle you must have been listening to us shrieked alexander beside himself oh yes i was there behind a bush i had nothing better to do than to run after you and listen to all your absurdities 
how then do you know all this asked alexander in perplexity wonderful isn't it from adam and eve downwards it's the same story for everybody with little variation you a writer and surprised at this now you would be walking on air for the next three days like an imbecile throwing yourself on everyone's neck i should advise you to lock yourself in your room till that period is over and work off your foolishness on yevsay so that none else may see it then you will come to your senses a little and will obtain some further favour a kiss for instance a kiss from nadinka oh what a high heavenly reward cried alexander almost weeping heavenly why do you call it earthly material well one must admit a kiss is an electric act lovers are just like two electric batteries both heavily charged the electricity is let off in kisses and when it's fully let off then good-bye to love the cooling process follows uncle oh i forgot material tokens of immaterial relations are still prominent objects in your brain you will be collecting all sorts of rubbish again and poring and dreaming over them and work will be laid on the shelf alexander at once clapped his hand on his pocket what there already so you will do exactly what men have done ever since the creation of the world then it is what you too have done uncle yes it's only a little sillier sillier don't you call it silliness just because my love will be deeper stronger than yours because i don't make light of my feelings and turn them into ridicule as coldly as you nor tear every veil off the sacred mystery your love will be just like other people's neither deeper nor stronger and you too will tear the veil off the sacred mystery the only difference is that you will believe in eternal unchanging love and will think about nothing else and that is just what is so silly you are only preparing for yourself more unhappiness than you need end of chapter three part one recording by expatriate in bangor maine